Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. And I trust that you're having a wonderful day in the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and go back to the book of Genesis chapter 14. Let's look at a couple of scriptures and we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. Praise God. Now, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. My friends, here we see in Scripture that Abraham was a tither. And of course, he was tithing before the law was ever put in place by God through Moses, which then required that the people had to do it. But here, Abram, uh, his name, of course, was later changed to Abraham. But here we see Abraham giving the tithe to the Lord. And my friends, I believe also that we need to be like Abraham and also honor the Lord with the tithe. Now, this is fascinating because tithing is the number one obligation in the covenant of prosperity. And I really do want you to see that the tithe is not a religious doctrine that, you know, should be debated back and forth, although it is a doctrinal teaching. But the tithe, many people have missed it because it's a covenant-based relationship with God. In other words, there is the covenant of salvation, and you are born again by simply putting your faith and trust in the Lord. All you have to do is believe, call upon the name of the Lord. You know, you turn from your sins, you turn to the living God and you are saved. You have a covenant salvation. But my friends, you could love Jesus and be on your way to heaven and be winning souls and have a wonderful prayer life, but you could still have God's prosperity, God's best for you financially elude you because finances and that financial platform, it works with God also through a covenant. And tithing is the number one obligation in this covenant of prosperity. Now, we've talked about it before, but in a simple way of understanding it, what is a covenant? Because today, that is a word or that is something that is practiced that we don't rarely see in our modern age. But a covenant is simply an agreement. It's a deal or a contract. And it's between, it could be between two people. It could be between two parties, uh, like one tribe and another tribe. But it also, in this case, would be between God and man. And it's a it's an agreement, and it's based on well-defined terms. And when you meet the terms and conditions of that covenant, then you now obligate God to watch over and perform His Word concerning that covenant. Praise God. So tithing is the number one obligation in this covenant of prosperity. You may think, well, Pastor Stephen, why would that be the case? It's the case because tithing is the key that is revealed by God in his word to be what causes an open heaven lifestyle of blessing that we can live in and experience. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Here we see that tithing is the key to an open heaven 
lifestyle of being blessed by the Lord in our finances. My friends, I want you to know that tithing is what locks you into not just the blessings, but I would actually call it the sustained blessings of God, where it's just flowing and operating in your life every month, every year, every week. Praise God. So God, he gives you and I, let's say for an example, let's say 10. He gives us 10, but God asks that we will give him back one. And he does this so that when we give back the one, it allows us to connect with God's supply channel. Woo, praise the Lord. <laughs> By the way, when you give the one back to him, that lets God know that you received the 10. Praise the Lord. So before you receive the next blessing that God has planned for you, you must also let him know that you got the last blessing. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do I do that? Give him back the one or give him back the 10%. That way he can get the next one on over to you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So tithing, yes, it connects you with God's supply channel. Thank you, Jesus. And he's looking to receive it too. He's looking to receive it back. Thank you, Lord. My friends, it is important to know that until we connect with God through the tithing covenant, the blessing channel is actually disconnected in the area of finances. And that's not something that you want in a world in a time in which we live where there can be financial turmoil that could just race and run through the nations and cause various problems. So we see that Abraham was a tither and we see in Malachi that God uh, wants us to tithe too, to honor him with the tithe. Isaiah 51 uh, speaks towards our lineage in Christ, because when you're in Christ, you are tied into the seed of Abraham. So this is important for us. Isaiah 51 verse 1, the prophet with the God speaking through him says, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. So I know this is for you and I, okay? You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. So God wants you to look at Abraham as the covenant example of the man who walked by faith, and who was a tither, and God was the one that lifted him up, and God was the one who blessed him, and God, my friends, wants to do the same thing for you. Praise the Lord. We also know that Abraham was a very liberal giver. Very quickly, we see in the book of Genesis chapter 18, in verse 1, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of memory, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Verse 6, So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. Time for some barbecue. Praise the Lord. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. My friends, Abraham was a very liberal giver. Abraham and Sarah were people that were hospitable. They were not stingy. They were not hoarders of their wealth, but they were constantly honoring the Lord with their finances. You know, uh, there's a book about the life and ministry of a prophet named Roland Buck. And Roland Buck is now in heaven. He lived his life out, died. He's in heaven now. But if you go back and read some of his writings, he talks about the angelic visitations that he had. And one time, uh, an angel allowed him to read a heavenly book about the life of of Abraham. Now, this was some of the events into the life of Abraham that are not recorded in the Bible. And Roland Buck said that as he read more about the personal life of Abraham, he said, I couldn't believe how hospitable, how hospitable this man was 
was. In other words, we see in Genesis 18 that he's providing a meal for these men that traveled and stopped uh, by his area, and they needed some, uh, you know, some food and some refreshing. But Roland Buck said from what he briefly read in one of these books about the life of Abraham, a heavenly book, uh, about uh, his, the chronicles of his life, he said Abraham was doing stuff like this all the time. <laughs> so, my friends, he was blessed to be a blessing. Praise God. So, when we look at the tithe, I want you to understand that every time that God makes a request of you and I, it's because he has something reserved for you and I. So the Lord says, bring me the tithe. I've given you 10. Now return one back to me. And that is because God has something good reserved for us. And he's wanting to release the next wave of blessing. Amen. So my friends, I want you to be a tither so you can walk in the sustained blessing and go from glory to glory. And this year you're going to go the heights financially that you've never scaled before by the glory of God. So look back to the rock that you also have been cut out from where the stone was quarried from. That is Abraham, the father of the faith. And as we look at him, he was a tither. Let's be like Abraham. You know, sometimes people sing these songs in church. We're the seed of Abraham and you know, uh, wonderful songs like that. And we, and we are, but that they sing songs like that. But you know, you can't go to the bank and go up to the bank and say uh, to the teller and say, I'm the seed of Abraham. Well, the, uh, you know, the teller might say, well, that's nice. But, uh, you know, Abraham doesn't have an account here, so we, we can't help you <laughs> get out. <laughs> so we not only want to, you know, sing songs that glorify God and connect us with our uh, righteous lineage in Christ tied into the blessing of Abraham also, but we need to do the acts we need to emulate the life of Abraham. Let's be tithers. Praise God. Now, as you're bringing your tithe, as you're giving your best unto the Lord, let us now uh, honor the Lord and bring those into the storehouse. If you want to mail in your tithes and an offering, you can send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 286. Five, four. Now, if you're watching on the internet, you're watching anywhere around the world, and you want to give online, please go to the website, stephenbrooks.org, and there's a link on the homepage where you can bring your tithes and your offerings. It has a red heart, and it says, Give. And you can click that, and whether you're in New Zealand or Australia or the 50 states of America, or China, or Asia, or wherever you might be, you can go online and honor the Lord with your tithe, and it will be received here at the ministry into the storehouse of the Lord, that we might continue to preach the good news of Jesus. Praise God. Now, lift your hands and let me pray over your giving. Father, I pray you bless your people. This is their year of tremendous growth and blessing. And Lord, you're going to increase their finances. And I just thank you, Lord, that they are in covenant with you financially. They can't be shaken. They cannot be shaken. They are on rock, solid, stable covenant platforms, uh, the platform of, of finances with you. And they're going higher and higher with you. Thank you, Father. I speak blessing over their finances in Jesus' name. Amen and uh, amen. Praise God. Shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, if you would like to give an offering uh, beyond the 10%, we do have some projects that we're focused on. Right now, I would say we're definitely primarily focused on the Pure Gold Television uh, program. I'll share some amazing news concerning that in the coming days. But there is a orange bracket that says projects on the homepage and you can click on the projects and you'll see the pure gold uh, TV airtime offering and you can uh, give into that. And that really does help us to send the television ministry around the world with these types of teachings. Thank you so much for your giving your prayers and your support. Praise the Lord. Now let's, let's jump into some exciting things in the word of God. Because I want to talk about being ready and prepared for anything 
or everything or whatever might show up, you're going to be so ready and you're going to be able to stand against anything that might come against you. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, as we jump into your word, we thank you that your word is living and we thank you that it's working in us, empowering us, fueling us with faith. And we thank you, Father God, that it is our faith in you that overcomes the world. And we thank you that you have not planned for anyone of us to experience failure or defeat, but you have a path to victory. And we thank you that we're walking in it today in Jesus name. Now, Father, let light break forth in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. My friends, this is often what happens as you began to get settled in the word. What happens is that eventually the devil is going to contest you. There's going to be a challenge, a showdown. Why pastor Stephen? Why does that have to happen? It, it happens because the devil really wants to know, does he or she actually believe this word that they are proclaiming is truth to them? And there will be a challenge. What is the challenge over the integrity, the validity of God's word? Praise God. Now he's not probably going to challenge you over the truth that Jonah was thrown off the ship, thrown into the deep and swallowed by a great fish. He's not going to challenge you on that. You believe that. And uh, that's maybe not really a threat to him unless you're living in modern day Nineveh and that's connecting to you for some special reason. But there are certain things like, um, uh, you know, all of these different stories in the Bible that he won't challenge you on that. But the promise that pertains to the thing that you need or that you desire or that you're believing God to do, that's where the test is going to come. Praise God. So the Lord wants you to be prepared now and for the future so that through the power of his word, you can stand ready and prepared for any emergency, any rough situation that may arise in your life. And you know what? It may not just be your life. It could be in the life of a very dear family member that got hit with something or a brother or a sister in the Lord that you know, and they need, they need somebody that knows God. They need somebody that's rock solid faith. And you can be that person that steps in, in the middle of a crisis situation. And also at the same time, it is true that the storms of life come to us all praise God. And we want to make sure that we are built on the rock of God's word. Thank you, Jesus. Speaking of that, the first thing that you need to know is that the word of God is actually what it declares itself to be where you believe it 100%. And it is the final authority. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The word of God is a revelation from God to us. The word of God, the Bible is God speaking to us now right now. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. God's going to speak to you today. Now we see this amazing statement for the word of God is living and powerful. He, this is Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But my friends notice this. For the word of God is living. Have you ever stopped to think about that? That would be like having a sword. Uh, and you know, when you think of a sword, a, a sword can be made out of steel or some type of metal composite, but e even still it's a piece of metal. But the, the word of God would be like a sword that's actually alive, that can talk, that can move, that can cut. Well, my friends, the word of God is living. So God's word, when you read it, this is not like you're reading, you know, Homer's Odyssey. This is not like you're reading, uh, you know, some kind of a historical uh, archaeological review. No, this is a living book. It is the word of God and it is alive. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the catch. And you need to remember this. 
it will only come alive to you as you accept it and act upon it. Woo, praise God. Because you can read it, you can read it, but it's still, you cannot have that power unleashed in your life until you accept it as absolute truth, and then you begin to act upon it. And then you'll see, wow, there's no other book like it on the planet. This is the Word of God. Now, we do thank God for all of the books that teach the Word, that uh, help us to understand the Word, but this is the number one way to get faith right here. By the way, the Bible is still the number one selling book, not only of all time, but it's the number one selling book every single year. They don't report that on the New York Times bestseller list because it just wins over and over and over, and nobody else is even close to it. Praise God. But even still, today, right now, the Bible is still the number one selling book in the world every day, every year, right now, and it has been ever since it came out. Woo! So God takes His book, God takes His Word very, very seriously. Now, there are some Christians, and they love Jesus, but they don't really think that God has spoken to them unless maybe they get like a prophecy from somebody. And they actually elevate prophetic words and the gift of prophecy above the Bible. I've seen some do that. And this is what they turn into. They turn into prophecy chasers. Wow. Have you ever met some of them? Mm. They're prophecy chasers. The problem is they're not word chasers. I have never in my, in my uh, decades of being in Pentecostal circles and being in charismatic circles, uh, spirit-filled churches visiting around the world, I have never met a prophecy chaser who put the word first. I've never met one that was uh, a prophecy chaser who exalt. No, they put prophecy first. But my friends, you have to be a word chaser. It, matter of fact, if you're a word chaser, the prophecy so often they just they just come naturally. <laughs> They'll find you. <laughs> Signs and wonders follow what the preaching of the word. So if you'll chase the word and put the word first, you'll have all of the other good stuff. By the way, that's why those that get real excited about all these prophecies. Now, and I, I prophesy, I don't diminish prophecy at all, but uh, so often those that get real excited about prophecies, but diminish the word, that's why their life has big elements of failure in it. And they may be doing okay over here, or over there, but there are certain areas they can, they can never conquer. It's like the Israelites of old going into the Canaan land and there's certain enemies they never overcame. So they never got their full inheritance because they never really believed that God said, go up, I've given you the land. And there were some that would say, well, what do you mean you've given it to us? Looks like the enemies are still there. Doesn't look like, doesn't look like you've given us anything. <laughs> well, he has, but you have to go take it by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what he said. So we're right back to the word again. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. So let's put God's word before prophecy. The word must always come first. The vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit, which would be prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, they're actually given to inspire us in line with the word. Any prophecy that does not line up with the word, uh, I just completely dismiss it. Praise God. That was spoken out of the human soulish nature because the Holy Spirit will never, ever contradict this book. Never. It's impossible. God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit are in complete unity and harmony. They will never contradict one another. Praise God. So we want to honor God's Word. Let's flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm very excited about prophecy, but my friends, we build our lives upon the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, speaking of staying in line with the Word of God, let's go to the book of Job today. And uh, this is something that I've been wanting to talk about lately because it is so good. Praise God. 
Job chapter 5, verse 20. It says, In famine he shall redeem you from death. Let's stop there just for a moment. In famine he shall redeem you from death. Now, now there would probably be some that would say, well, but Pastor Stephen, famine is something that you can't run from, you couldn't escape from, so if there's no food, you're going to starve like everybody else. Well, you would if you didn't believe God. And when I say believe God, I'm talking about believing His Word, such as statements like this. In famine, He shall redeem you from death. Woo! In famine. And there's different types of famine. There could be financial famine. There could be famine of food. There could be drought. No rain. There could be all kinds of problems. But in famine, He shall redeem you from death death. Praise God. I enjoyed the story shared by Pastor Enoch Adeboye, the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, one of the largest churches in the world, and a great man of God, of course. I think he's 83 years old now. But he talked about his mother and father, who many years before uh, in Nigeria lived through a very severe famine. And they ran out of food. Many people ran out of food. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess they just died. That's just what happens. Not for those that believe the Word and act on it. See, when you're a covenant child of God, you are exempted through covenant right and covenant privilege. You don't have to drop and die like everybody else. You don't have to go bankrupt and go under like everybody else. You can actually go up when... Other difficulties are taking others out. And we never want to see anybody taken out. We never want to uh, see anything difficult happen. But it's the world in which we live. But you don't have to be a victim. Woo, praise God. Well, Pastor Enoch Adeboye talked about how during the famine of his parents that God spoke to his mother. How does faith come? By hearing what? By hearing God talk. Okay? So he can talk through the word of wisdom, which is what he gave to her. He can talk through the book. Woo! Praise God. But that's what brings faith. And God told her, the mother, what to do. Go to the kitchen. Go to the, go to the pot on the stove. And three times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Take the lid off the pot, scoop food out onto the plate. Don't ever look into the pot. Well, the famine was ravaging. There is no food. So the only thing that can stain them now is the Word of God. So she goes in there for breakfast, lifts the lid, doesn't look in, starts scooping stuff out, puts it on the plate, and puts the lid back, and chicken dinner. Excuse me, chicken breakfast. It's like a chicken-like casserole type thing for breakfast. Goes back for lunch. Takes the, pot, the lid off, starts scooping out, puts, the, puts the, all the food on the plate, puts the lid back on, doesn't look. Uh, lunch, uh, it's a beautiful fish meal. Okay? Goes back for dinner, takes the lid off, uh, scoops the food out, and puts the, food, uh, puts the lid back on, doesn't look, and puts the food on the plates. Uh, beef, uh, like a beef, uh, some type of beef meal was for dinner. And this went on every day, over and over and over and over and over again until the famine was over. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. You don't have to be a victim. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's go and see what Jesus, Dr. Jesus, had to say about this. Travel with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4. Woo! Luke 4, verse 25. This is going to be the greatest year in your life. Mm -mm. Say yes. Praise God. Luke 4, verse 25. Jesus speaking said, But I tell you truly, don't you like it that he's always blunt and to the, uh, to the point tells you the truth? <laughs> uh, whoa, even, when it's, um, even when it's riveting strong. I mean, the truth is like, whoa, it's a jolt sometimes. We can grow up in church and have so much religiosity baked into us, and a lot of that is traditions of men, and it's not true. And when you get into the Word and you discover the real truth, wow, you're like, man, that's sobering. 
And you could have grown up having never been in church. Maybe you were a, a real good pagan all of your life. Uh, you know, you just never knew God, never went to church, but you got saved. Maybe at the age of 30 or 50 or 70. And uh, you get into the Bible and you're like, whoa, this is a totally different way of living. It sure is. It sure is. Woo, the truth will set you free once you know it. Now watch this. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. So he said many widows were there in Israel. Now, if they are widows in Israel, it means they would be Jewish widows. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. So they're Jewish widows, which means what? It means they are the covenant children of God. They are the seed of Abraham. They have covenant right and covenant protection. And there's how many of them? Five, 10? No, many could have been very easily could have been thousands. Okay. Well, pastor Stephen, not a problem. These are covenant women. These were widows that knew God. And I'm sure they all survived and God did miracles for all of them because they are the people of faith. Uh, no, being in church doesn't automatically mean that the word is entering into your heart and you're being transformed by it. And it's what you live by. No, no, they heard it. They knew it, but they didn't believe it. What happened to them? They perished. It took them out. It took them out. And look, look what he said. Now, this is Jesus talking. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. But you know it's going to get dry when there's no rain for three and a half years. Mm -mm. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. I'm sure there was. And it's not just a famine. It's a great famine. The king's feeling it. The, the people in Hollywood are feeling it. The, the rich people uh, in Manhattan are feeling it. Nobody was exempt. Mm -mm. And there wasn't anything any government could do about it. You'll find out real quick who is walking with the highest level of invested authority when stuff like this happens. Because... That's why many great ministers have been asked to go into political office. They asked Billy Graham to be uh, the run for president. He probably would have won if he did it. They've asked David Oyedipo in Nigeria to run for president. If he did, he would probably get it. But all of them have said, no, why, why would we step down from these higher positions to go down to a lower position? <laughs> I'm telling you, you find out real quick when a prophet says there's no rain for the next three and a half years, you find out real fast who's in control and who's got the real authority because there was no king, there was no government, there was no military power that could do anything about it. They all were subjected to the word of the Lord. Mm -mm. Woo! But to none of them was Elijah sent except the Zarephath. Zarephath, well, that's not even in Israel. That's a coastal city that's further up north. Why, that's in modern-day Lebanon. What in the world is Elijah doing going up there? But to none of them was Elijah sent except the Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Turns out she was, turns out that she wasn't even Jewish. So she was not technically in this covenant with God, but she believed and knew that the God of Israel was the one and only true God. <laughs> and out of all the widows, God said, Elijah, she's the only one I can send you to. By the way, she's going to take care of you also <laughs> through a miracle. Amen. But what a privilege. Well, Pastor Stephen, I imagine when Jesus gave this sterling, beautiful sermon in, in, there in Nazareth, boy, they must have stood up and said, you're a man of faith. That's the kind of preaching we need. Mm -mm -mm. So all those in the synagogue, church folk, right? So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. 
He told them the truth. <laughs> what was he basically saying? Well, he was saying quite a few things packed into that dense, thick message. But here's one that's a phenomenal takeaway. Just because you're Christian, just because you're Jewish, just because you're a covenant child of God, if you're not in faith, it ain't coming to you. Pastor Stephen, the Calvary will show up. Pastor Stephen, the government, they'll show up. Well, you better be real careful on that one. I'd actually trust the Calvary to show up with people riding on horses more than I'd expect the government to show up. <laughs> Woo. As a matter of fact, President Ronald Reagan, the famous quote, he said, uh, he said, anytime the government shows up and says, hi, we're here to help. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Something's really weird. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, I pray for my president. Amen. I do pray for him. But praise God. You need God to show up. And for God to show up, you have to be in faith. You have to be in faith. Because it could be that even if the government wanted to show up, they could get to you. Maybe it's a virus that has broken out that's so severe that maybe no government workers want to die. Maybe something else has happened that's so traumatic that this team of rescuers can't get in. Maybe they're blocked. You need to know God on a personal level, and you need to know how to use your faith so you're not a statistic, you're not a casualty that died in the famine. Mm -mm. Right now, right now, out of your own mouth, stand up and say these words, I will never die in any famine. God will always feed me and take care of me. Somebody's sitting back real smug. Real comfy because you've got all your canned food, don't you? And you've got all your dried powder food that you brought from the prophecy preacher who sold it to you when you got worked up into a pandemonium fear panic. And it's sitting over there all stashed just in case there's a breakdown in society. May God have mercy on you if you have to eat that junk. Because the truth is, if you get about three weeks or four weeks into a true famine and that's all you're eating, you just, you might want to die instead, uh, compared to the agony of having to eat that slop. <laughs> I mean, the least thing you could do would be buy MREs, um, these governmental type foods they feed to the soldiers who are deployed overseas where they're out on the field and they've got to have real food. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to prep, at least prep with real food, I mean, it's got a shelf life of probably a hundred years, but it's real food. Anytime you're doing this powder stuff, you're probably going to want to, uh, throw it away after about two weeks. Mm -mm. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. But my friends go higher, go higher and just trust God. Trust God. He'll get you through. He'll get you through. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now let's go back to Job chapter five. My friends, Jesus, Dr. Jesus, he's so, he's so, he is so upfront and blunt with truth that it can jolt religious people. It, it jolted those in Nazareth. They're in the synagogue. It jolted them to a degree they couldn't handle, they could not handle it. What are they doing? They're saying we can't take responsibility for our own lives. And so it's easier to blame God or it's easier to bake your own tradition up, bake it up, make it up, cook it up, and say, let's just create a new theology that it was God's will for them to die. All of those people that cook up these theologies, that create these escapism theologies, will have to answer to the Lord for not taking personal responsibility of their own spiritual well-being. Mm -mm. But you will not be that one. I see you as a sterling light, a shining light, and an example to others of a man or woman that knows how to use their faith, especially when yucky stuff shows up. Mm -mm. Praise God. We're back to Job chapter 5, verse 20. And in famine he shall redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. 
Well, now, hold on, Pastor Stephen. I, I can understand how maybe God could do a miracle and, you know, maybe cause a truck, uh, a truck to break down and uh, uh, they just, you know, maybe a bunch of cans of tuna fell off the truck and uh, the, they landed in my front yard and I could survive for a little while. But I, I don't see how anybody can make it out of a war when bullets are flying and you're on the front line and you're shooting at them and they're shooting at you and bombs are going off. Well, if that's the case for you, you better learn uh, the soldier's psalm real quick. Praise God. And you should preferably never go into battle without knowing it. And that is Psalm 91. Okay. Again, again, God will redeem you uh, in war from the power of the sword. Psalm 91 verse five, you shall not be afraid. Well, that's the first big relief right there. You don't have to be afraid of bullets flying, bombs going off. You don't have to be afraid. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow or the machine gun bullets or the rocket launchers or the missiles that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noon day. A thousand may fall at your side. Then you know, that's true. It's sad. And we don't want to see it happen. But these are these that are falling are the ones that never took the time to put the word into them and make it the final authority for their life. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. And if you're willing to take what God said and personalize it and say, it will not come near me either. You could walk through it just like Jesus walked through those men at Nazareth who wanted to murder him and throw him off that cliff. He walked right through them. That was an impossibility, but he did it. And you could walk right through bullets. You could walk right through the face and the breath of death. And it can't touch you because it's, because God won't let you go because you are trusting in his word. And that word will preserve you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Back we go to Job chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Lord, we give you glory. Know your covenant rights. Believe what God said belongs to you. And then act upon it. Speak upon it. Say a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 on the other side, but it shall not come near me. Praise the Lord. God will protect me. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Now, let's go to verse 21. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You need to be understanding of that. When God's blessing you, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be excited about that. Jesus told us with the 100 fold increase, which is the maximum return with that hundred fold increase also comes persecution. And often it's the persecution of the tongue, but you shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. The best thing to do is don't read about it. Don't listen to it. Just stay on task, stay on assignment, stay in the blessing and forgive those who would sin against you and keep moving forward. Praise God. Now, you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. My friends, I can't promise you that it will not come. I know that every year has its challenges. I know that there are some nations of the world that have active volcanoes. I know that there are other nations that are due for a major earthquake. And there's the tremors on the scale that verify that. And I know that there are wars going on in certain places. Other places are, pl are facing famines and other types of things along that line. But you shall not be afraid of destruction. You, your case, your story is different. You are a covenant child. It's different from you. It's different for you. And you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. I want to come back to that one. And you shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. Now, back in that day, that would be a serious threat with the beast of the earth, because we do know that there were lions 
in Israel. We know that there were bears in Israel. David killed a lion. David killed a bear. Samson killed a lion. Elisha dealt with bears. Now they, they've all gone. Uh, I wouldn't say they've gone extinct. They've been killed. <laughs> they've all been killed uh, over there by, you know, uh, just the people that live there. But, but the thing is today, um, it's not like you really have to be afraid of the random wild chance that maybe a lion escaped from the traveling circus and maybe he could force his way through your door at night or something like that. But it does say here that you shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. Who are the beast of the earth? They're the sex traffickers. They're the child molesters. And many of you have young children. You don't have to be afraid of the beast of the earth because your story is different. You have a covenant with God. You're protected from the beast of the, of the earth. The evil, wicked men, the murderers, those that are involved in uh, organized crime and uh, illicit underground activities. God's protection is upon your life. You shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. Now, let's go back to this. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. In other words, destruction is a work of the devil. Famine is also so often something that is a product of sin in the earth and the earth is going haywire as Paul said in Romans chapter eight, longing for the sons of God to come forth and manifest the full intent of what God has designed for us to walk in. But outside of that, there's these groanings and shakings. And so we see hurricanes and we can see famines and we see really these elements of destruction, which would be the expressions of a fallen world, the works of the devil. My friends, it says you shall laugh at destruction and famine. This is very important to understand. Let's look at Psalm 37 verse 13. Now you're about to learn a very, very important truth of victory. And when you have understood this truth and you're practicing it, it is a phenomenal indicator that you really are ready for anything. And you know what to do. Praise God. Psalm 37, verse 13. Let me start in verse 12. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. By the way, anytime you see gnashing of teeth, that's actually a demonic manifestation. You have to be under a heavy demonic influence to start gnashing with teeth. That is a demonic activity. I'm not saying the person is possessed. They could be, but one thing's for sure. You are under tremendous demonic uh, oppression or influence when there's gnashing of the teeth going on. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord does what? The Lord laughs at him for he sees, he sees, he knows his day is coming. Wow. Praise the Lord. My friends, you know, you are prepared and ready for anything when it shows up and you laugh at it. Woo. So you can't do that really uh, in fear. You can't do it in fear, but when you do it in faith, when you do it in faith, Oh, I tell you what, the devil's just like, Oh boy, well, we'll go ahead and execute the plan. But, uh, uh, somebody's very well trained here in the word of God, in the word of God. See, he's coming to test that word in you. Okay. And so your response, you're holding your ground is what will back him off and cause him to pack his bags and get out and hit on down the line. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. This is something I've learned in Pentecost. I've learned it. And when I get attacked or there's an attack upon the ministry. What I do is I practice intentionally at times laughing at the devil. I'll do it every day. And sometimes I'll do it for five minutes, maybe sometimes for 10 minutes, but at least every day for a couple of minutes, sometimes longer. I'll laugh at the devil. 
Let me tell you, he hates to be laughed at. He wants everybody to take him at the utmost seriousness. And some of you, you're afraid of him. And you would never dare laugh at him. But yet God laughs at the devil. And we see in the book of Job that you shall laugh at destruction and famine. When you're laughing at destruction and famine, you're actually laughing at the works of the devil. You're technically laughing at the devil. Woo! Praise the Lord. Did you know that Jesus completely stripped, defeated Satan and took the keys of death and hell and has stripped Satan of all power against the believer? Now, he's still is the prince over this world, over the people of this world that do not know God. But he has no authority, zero, over the believer. He would only have what a believer would yield to him. And we're not giving him anything. Praise God. So you must stand your ground and enforce his defeat, and you'll see God break through for you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I learned this from uh, Prophet Kenneth Hagin. I learned it from uh, Brother Norval Hayes, these men of God who went through some really tough trials and laughed their way out of it. Matter of fact, uh, Kenneth Hagin talked about the time where he had a very serious attack on his health. Now, many of you would also remember that he was born with an incurable heart condition, and the doctor said he'll die. So God did some great miracles and healed him of seven incurable diseases and got him out ministering and uh, you know great things were happening but later in life a severe attack came against him he said he was out on the field traveling and he was staying in a pastor's home when all of these symptoms just just hit him and he was familiar previously with those symptoms because it was killing him but he's had health for a while but it came back and it's hitting him and the devil said you're not going to get healed this time. By the way, did you ever notice that the devil never, ever wants to acknowledge previous victories God gave you? He wants to act like it's never happened. He wants to act like uh, uh, those things that, uh, that previously happened. Let's not ever talk about them or bring them up. That's why you always want to be mindful of all that God has done for you and talk about it continually. Praise God. So, so the enemy came and began to just shoot thoughts to Brother Hagin's mind like hot arrows and, and said, you're not going to get healed this time. And Brother Hagin said, because he's staying uh, as a guest minister, as, because he's staying with the pastor and he's in another room, he said, I didn't want to wake them up. So he said, and this was late at night, so he, and he was in bed. So he said, I just pulled the covers over my head so that it would kind of muffle my voice a little bit. And he said, I started laughing. And he said, I didn't feel like laughing because I wasn't in the spirit, but I just laughed by faith. I laughed by faith. And he started laughing. And the, and the devil said, what are you laughing at? And Kenneth Hagin said, I'm laughing at you. And the devil said, you're not going to get it this time. You're not going to get your healing this time. And Kenneth Hagin just laughed more, laughed more. And the devil said, what are you laughing at? And he said, I'm laughing at you. And the devil said, well, you're not going to get your healing this time. You're not going to get your healing this time. And Kenneth Hagin just kept laughing and laughing. And the devil again said, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you because I've already got my healing by his stripes. I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. I'm not trying to get it. I've already got it. So Mr. Devil, just grab all of your stuff, pack all of your stuff up and get out of here. <laughs> and the devil did. He skirted around and grabbed all of his paraphernalia of doubt and unbelief and ran out of there. And Brother Hagin said every symptom completely lifted off of him. Praise God. Now, years later, Norval Hayes, many of you have heard his wonderful teaching. Uh, his teaching was very influential in the development of my wife in the area of learning faith. And that was, you know, almost 30 years ago. And that was really how she cut her teeth on learning how you could walk in victory was listening to Norval Hayes. And uh, of course, I really have loved his ministry too for many years. Brother Hagin and Brother Norval are both in heaven now. 
But what I'm trying to tell you is that these are classic Pentecostal truths that it's almost like they're lost today, but they're not lost to you and I, and we're going to share them with as many people as we can. Well, Norval Hayes was a great teacher, but he also was a very successful businessman. But one of his businesses, there was an attack by the devil, and he had to close down one of his businesses. And he said he would drive by and look at his business all shuttered and the doors closed and the windows closed up, and it made him sad, made him real sad. And uh, it caused him to be kind of depressed about that. And, well, he went to a meeting, and in this meeting, um, Kenneth Hagin prophesied and said, uh, Brother Norville, the Lord shows me that the problem that you're having is because you haven't been laughing at the devil. And if you'll laugh at the devil, you will have the victory. And I tell you, when Brother Norville said he heard that word of the Lord, it energized him with faith. And then he told Brother uh, Hagen later, he said, you and, you and your wife, get in my car. We're going to drive out to that business. And he said that they drove out to that business and uh, Norville got out of the car and laughed and laughed at the devil and said, ha, 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 you thought you can shut my business down. Ha, 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 ha. God's raising it back up. God's raising it back up. And Brother Norville said every night he would get in his car, drive out to that business that was totally closed down, not making any money. And he'd get out of his car and sometimes he'd get there like 11 o'clock at night or maybe around midnight and he would get out and stand in front of it and laugh and laugh and laugh at the devil and say, ha, 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 you thought you could shut my prosperity down. It's not working. God's blessing me. And he said within two weeks, God did a turnaround. He was able to reopen it. God sent him the right man to run it, and that thing became a major, major moneymaker for him. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I laugh at famine and destruction? How do, I, uh, like, how do I be like God and laugh at the enemy and just laugh at the, at the silly um, threats and stuff like that? How do I do that? You open your mouth, and with faith, you start laughing. Well, Pastor Stephen, what if I don't feel like it? Uh, in other words, I think what you're saying is like, what if there's not an anointing to do it? Well, if there's not an anointing to do it, then do it by faith. And as you do it by faith, sometimes an anointing will come. And sometimes it's, it's just there also to do it. But here's how you do it, because I'll do it right now. I'll demonstrate. And it's not like I'm under any anointing to laugh right now, but I'll show you how I do it. When the devil uh, would send suggestions to me, and say, you're not going to get a breakthrough in this area. I'm going to, I'm going to shut this area down. I would, I would just look over to that area where I would perceive those thoughts are being directed from. And I just start laughing just like this. Oh, you think I'm not going to get it. I've already got it. Now you, uh, I feel the anointing now you, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to laugh in the direction of where you feel that those thoughts have been hurled towards you are coming from saying you're not going to get healed. You're never going to get married. You're never going to prosper financially. You're not going to see the breakthrough that you need. I want you right now to look towards that area and visualize the devil being over there. And right now, open your mouth and start laughing at him because God's working for you. A miracle laugh on three, one, two, three. Liar, liar. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. You know what? He's in trouble. He's in trouble. He's, it's not too much longer. He's going to be roped up and chained up by Michael, the archangel, and he's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and he knows it. <laughs> Woo! And he knows it too. Woo! Glory. Glory to God. And then he's only going to get out for a short period of time, and then he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Lord, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah. My friends, 
when you know how to take hold of God's word, believe it and act on it. And when you also, you know, that key of acting like God who laughs at the enemy, which is an expression of faith. I'll tell you what, you, you know, you're ready for anything. You are ready and prepared for anything. Praise God. Mm -mm. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for your people. I thank you that they are more than conquerors. And I thank you, Father, that as you laugh at the devil, and as the men of Job's era and the, the righteous men of that era knew to laugh at famine and destruction, I thank you, Father God, that the force of faith, Father, spoken and expressed even through laughter will flow through your people with tremendous force. And I thank you that even as there can be an anointing for it, I thank you there can also be the practice of the basic expression of faith, that they'll do it by faith. And I thank you, Father God, that healing will break forth, depression will leave, and victory will show up sooner than they think. And Father, we thank you also that we know how this works. We must believe that we receive it, that we receive it before we ever see it, and then we'll see it. So Father, we thank you that we are laughing in victory, and we thank you for turnarounds, miracles, and blessings in Jesus' name. And Father, we give you all the praise. And around the world, we say amen. Woo! Ah, ah, he's still over there. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. He's long gone now. Amen. My friends, sometimes... When you just get hit, maybe with a thought of discouragement or something like that, and you're in your car by yourself, just laugh at the enemy. Maybe you're walking somewhere and a little thought like that tries to come towards your mind. Just laugh at the enemy. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You are blessed. Woo. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Now, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the so-called wisdom of the wise. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, presents himself as the only mediator between God and man. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to eternal life to the Father. If you don't know Jesus, you can get your life right with God right now. I want to ask you to humble your heart and turn to Jesus and pray this simple prayer, and Jesus will save your soul right now. Now, if you used to be a Christian, but you've fallen away from God, and you're all uh, just got all tangled up and messed up in sin, and you would be a poster story for the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, it's time to come back now. Because the last thing we want is for you to die and perish in sin, having turned away from God. You must also come back to the Lord. I want you to pray this prayer. Also, those that are ready to pray, I know you are, pray this prayer now. Say, Lord Jesus, I completely surrender and yield my life to you. I turn from sin I turn to you. Save me now. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. And Lord Jesus, let's do a lot of laughing together. In your name I pray. Amen. Boom. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I thank I think the angels are really having a good time today. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's take Holy Communion together. Mm -mm. Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. An army of saints that can laugh along with God. I mean, if God's laughing, I'm going to laugh with him. I'm not going to say, well, I can't do that. You know, we have to show deep reverence and piety to the devil. No, no, no. I'm not going to play like a religious deadhead. Okay. I'm not going to be bound by religious tradition. No. If God can laugh at the devil, I can laugh with God right along with God at him too. Amen. Knowing that he's defeated. Amen. Let's take communion. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We set it apart as being holy. We thank you, O oh God, for the body and the blood of Jesus. 
Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we receive his word as our final authority in life. It's settled. What you said, O oh God, settles everything. We give you praise. We thank you for a phenomenal day, a phenomenal week, a great year of victory. And we now receive the Lord's flesh with great thanksgiving. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. Woo. I feel like doing some more laughing. Amen. Mm -mm. Glory. Father, we thank you for the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus that washes us clean and pure. Thank you, O oh God. Father, we forgive anybody and anyone who has sensed, who has sinned, who has sensed or sinned against us. We forgive them. We bless them in Jesus' name, and we go on with you. We thank you for the deep cleansing power of your blood. We thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's drink together. Pastor Stephen, I had a horrible nightmare. I woke up at two in the morning. I had a horrible nightmare. The devil was attacking me. What should I do? Sit up in bed and start laughing. Or if you kind of are, you know, more awake, just get up out of bed and laugh at the devil. Pastor Stephen, how should I do it? Well, I'll do it, and you join me. This is how you do it. Oh, ha, 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 praise God. See, he wants you to think you've been terrorized, traumatized. Oh, just wake up and laugh. Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Somebody's getting set free right now from clinically diagnosed depression. Something's breaking off of you right now. You're getting free. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Praise God. Praise God. Hmm. Some of you are beginning to smell supernatural fragrances because the Holy Spirit is moving. Angels are there swirling these fragrances around. The fragrance of heaven is coming down. The glory of God is coming down right where you're at. You're being healed. Somebody's being healed of cancer right now. Oh, ha, 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 Woo! Praise God. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. God is good. God is good. Somebody's being healed of a knee injury. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Somebody has had some internal uh, injuries. I believe it's due to a motorcycle accident. God's healing your body. God's healing your body right now. You got really banged up. Woo. God's healing you up right now on the inside. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Whatever you need, receive it from God right now by faith. God's working. Laugh along with the Lord. Laugh at the enemy. Laugh at famine. Laugh at destruction. Stand on the word. Amen. And you will be exempted. You will go through into victory. Amen. God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you back next time. Keep laughing. Bye-bye.